One of my biggest pet peeves about conventional constipation treatment is the prevailing myth that foods can cause and cure constipation. In 2015, when I was at the height of my IBS and constipation sickness, I would scour the internet day and night for what could possibly be causing my constipation, and of course, what could heal it. The main information I found over and over again was all about food. High fiber food, fermented food, the low FODMAP diet, gluten-free, dairy-free. It seemed that the majority of advice out there on constipation was about food. Yet after several years of an extremely restricted diet and trying dozens of food restrictions, I started to get the sense that maybe food wasn't the cause and definitely was not the cure to my constipation. On today's episode, I'm finally tackling the constipation myth I probably hate the most, that food causes and cures constipation. I'll also be replacing that myth with four non-food remedies to constipation that actually work. If you are ready to ditch your constipation and endless food restrictions, then today's episode is for you. Hey friend, welcome to the Better Belly Podcast. Do you want freedom from bloating and constipation? Do you find yourself up late at night Googling natural constipation remedies, causes for bloating, or recipes and exercises to help constipation? Are you frustrated with the mind game of trying to figure out what foods are helping or hurting your gut? Hey, I'm Allison, mom, wife, and functional gut health practitioner. At a young age, bloating and constipation were my constants. I didn't know what to do and wished I could just live a normal life focusing on my passions, my job, and my family. I was tired of abdominal pain that woke me up at night and wasting time and money on gut health remedies that just didn't work. Breakthrough moment, the functional medicine and osteopathic approach to gut health. In this podcast, you will find natural remedies for bloating and constipation, practical, doable belly exercises and massages, and debunked myths about what really is causing your tummy problems. So toss out those laxatives and say goodbye to that embarrassing gas. Your gut health is calling. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. Are you ready to end your bloating and constipation? If so, I have amazing news for you. Until August 24th, you can enter to win a full scholarship to my online course, The Better Belly Blueprint. In The Better Belly Blueprint, you get to learn how to order functional lab kits that get straight to your home, interpret those labs, and create your own powerful customized health plan that is unique to you so that you can end your bloating and constipation for good. So if you're ready to ditch the endless food restrictions, doctor visits, and frustration of not knowing what to do to and your bloating and constipation, then the Better Belly Blueprint is for you. And to celebrate hitting 100K in downloads for the Better Belly Podcast, I'm giving you the chance to win a full scholarship to the Better Belly Blueprint. There are four steps to enter. Step one, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify between now and August 24th. Number two, Take a screenshot of that rating and review. Step three, go to the betterbellytherapies.com slash giveaway and fill out our 100K giveaway form with your name, email, and screenshot of your podcast review. Number four, the winner will be announced on August 31st. And number five, if you don't win, I still have a special gift for you. So you'll receive this gift in your inbox as soon as the giveaway is over. There is literally no way to lose. So if you're listening to this podcast episode and wondering how, oh, how 
am I going to get rid of my bloating and constipation? Then you will not want to miss this giveaway. In this course, I teach you literally everything that I talk about on today's episode. So if you are left wanting for more at the end of this episode, go and check out our show notes. It has all those steps that I just mentioned, any link you'll need for the giveaway form and where to leave a review, and then wait with bated breath on August 31st when I will announce if you are the winner. And again, if you're not, I still have a special gift for you. So go ahead, go to our show notes and enter today. In the meantime, let's jump into today's topic, constipating foods myth. And with this, I want to start with where did this myth come from? Part of it is the fact that some people have noticed improvement in their constipation with change in diet. There is an undeniable factor that food plays into how well our gut is working. But Things get really weird really fast when we blame food for literally everything that is going on in our gut. Where did this myth come from? I personally, and my personal favorite interpretation of this is actually Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, who is the brother to the Kellogg we all know and love, or maybe know and hate, depending on who we are, (laughs) of the Kellogg cereals, right? So, In 1902, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg started the Battle Creek Sanatorium, which is, if you aren't aware of this, Battle Creek is a city in Michigan that is known for being where Kellogg cereals is from. But it's also where, again, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg created a sanatorium. And a sanatorium, they named it that because at the time, a sanatorium really went a health resort for invalid soldiers. Now, he ended up creating this health resort, so you could say, to be for anybody who is trying to seek healing. And it actually became super popular among the wealthy to go there to seek healing for health that they had lost. There were honestly a lot of cool things about the sanitarium. It was Dr. John Kellogg was an early proponent of germ theory of disease, which nowadays is going to sound really basic and obvious, but it was basically saying that we get sick when our intestinal flora get unbalanced with bad bacteria. And his approach to health was all centered around trying to clean out our gut and make it healthy again and have healthy bacteria. He did this through promoting vegetarianism, nutrition focus, the use of enemas to clear out intestinal flora, exercise, breathing exercises, sunbathing, and hydrotherapy. He also advocated for abstinence from smoking tobacco and alcoholic beverages, which we now know but, you know, back in 1902, wasn't as big of a sciencey thing to say, hey, don't smoke or don't drink alcohol. We now know that all these things that I just listed are super helpful for a healthy gut. This sanatorium, like I said, became a really cool place for the wealthy to seek restoring their health. And it was really, it's kind of like how we seek functional doctors today. They are offering, he was offering something different than what other doctors were offering. At the same time, his brother, Will Keith Kellogg, created the Kellogg cereal brand. It was originally just cornflakes. Dr. Kellogg was using these cornflakes, which were high in fiber, as a part of the diet in his sanatorium. And this there was originally no sugar added, and it was eaten and advocated for by Dr. Kellogg with a 
very high awareness of the high fiber content. He was very intentionally trying to up people's fiber content. Fun fact, later, his brother wanted to add in sugar against Dr. Kellogg's wishes. Um, that was because his brother knew and wanted to make it more palatable to the masses. Dr. Kellogg's brother was much more of a business man in this way, if you cannot tell. And Dr. Kellogg was very much against this change, but did not have the power and authority to keep that from happening. So but but other than just the serial fun fact over here, Dr. Dr. Kellogg's GI mindset or approach became so popular, you just like listen to how similar it is with general GI advice given today. Laxative inducing, high fiber foods that are often low protein because it's more focused on veggies um, and again, fiber intake. So he also recommended yogurt to re-inoculate the gut bacteria with good bacteria. And Oddly enough, I learned this in some of my research of today's episode, he also put yogurt in enemas as his way of thinking. He wanted to try and replace intestinal flora in the bowel by putting fermented yogurt into the enemas that they were doing. I have not heard of anyone doing that recently. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just reporting on where these things came from. And this was over 100 years ago, 1902, that all of this really started. So this has become the foundation of the quote-unquote generally good advice that people receive every, from everyone from the internet, <laughs> blogs, to GI doctors. But why don't they work? If you've avoided quote-unquote constipating foods and you eat quote-unquote high-fiber or non-constipating foods and you're still constipated, what does that mean? Most of my clients and most of y'all who are coming to me and even myself when I was sick I just thought I need to go back and find the right foods. I just haven't found the right foods yet. I'm going I'm to search again. What are the right foods to be eating? The most common question I get every time someone starts working with me is, okay, but what food should I be eating while we're waiting for the lab test results? And I say, we're not going to focus on foods. Don't go back to trying to find the right food. You're going to drive yourself crazy. There are four very important non-food solutions to constipation that your body is likely crying out for. But before we get into that, I do want to do a little bit of myth busting on these key constipating foods myth. I'm going to fly by these really quickly because I'm also going to mention them, most of them, when I actually talk about the four remedies, the four non-food remedies that actually work. But number one, fiber. So fiber can actually constipate people more. If you have experienced this or feel like you've experienced this, you are not crazy. You are not imagining things. This is because fiber bulks the stool and it actually causes the, the, the food to go through your gut at a slower rate. It slows transit. And when you slow tra- transit, then you set your body up to have a problem of something called over fermenting. And over fermenting is when the food ends up staying in your bowel too long. And it basically just starts to turn to toxic waste sludge. So this is where you get really bad smelling gas. You get all this extra bloating. You are not moving the food through your gut fast enough, and so it actually starts to rot in your gut. It is not fun. It doesn't feel good, and it does not solve constipation. It often makes it worse because then you get bacterial overgrowth problems, and and nothing improves. Everything just gets worse. So fiber 
can improve the scenario things for some people. If it doesn't fix it a hundred percent, one hundred percent, your problem is not fiber, and just adding more and more fiber into your body can again just cause problems. Number two, fermented foods. This is everything from yogurt, like Dr. Kellogg was working with, to kimchi, to sauerkraut, to um, even kombucha. So this is very very similar to the fiber problem, which is the fact that fermented foods and and you can honestly throw probiotics into that too, they're just adding to the bacterial load in the gut. And if the bacterial load is already not optimal, then you are just adding chaos to whatever's going on to the gut. You're not going to poop better under those circumstances. You might even, might be worse or you might get diarrhea, which is its own problem. If you want to learn more about why probiotics aren't healing your gut specifically, and this really can apply to fermented foods as well, I will encourage you to go check out episode three of my podcast. I'll have it linked in the show notes. It's called why probiotics aren't healing your gut. Number three, low protein. I have had clients say, I feel better on low protein diets. This is almost 100% of the time because they have low digestive enzymes. Digestive enzymes we primarily rely on are stomach acid coming from the stomach, bile coming from the liver and gallbladder, and pancreatic enzymes coming from the pancreas. The better solution, if you're having problems digesting and breaking down protein, and if you are, basically means that anytime you eat protein, whether it's a plant protein or a meat protein, it slows your transit again. So transit is that motility, the movement of, of the the gut pushing food through your body. If that's slow, that can cause constipation. It can also cause bloating and discomfort and all these other problems, um, bacterial imbalance. But again, if you're having problems digesting protein, don't take out the protein. It's not about the food. It's about your digestive enzymes. You want to go look at those, which ones are off and actually find out what you can do so your body can make it again, not be on a digestive enzyme supplement the rest of your life. You, We need protein to be healthy and to build muscle and create cells and have healthy neurotransmitter balance. So we want to be able to eat protein and break it down. Uh, and then lastly, in the similar vein of the low protein, just vegetarianism, veganism, I've had clients who say they feel better on like a vegetarian or vegan diet. This is usually a digestive enzyme problem or sometimes they're a they're on that diet, they might be not eating foods that they're actually sensitive to. And I'm not even talking about meat. I'm talking about like with veganism, if they're sensitive to dairy, they might be avoiding that. Um, but I've had more clients say that they feel worse on a vegetarian diet. And so if you feel better on a vegetarian diet, it's probably digestive enzymes things. But if you feel worse on it, it's because vegetables and foods that are not meat, essentially, uh, so vegetables and fruits and starches and grains, they are high oxalate, high salicylate, and high lectin diets, typically. Uh, these are basically whole episodes you could have for another time. I do already have an episode on oxalates. If you've never heard of that, do check it out. Uh, it's episode 148. It's called the oxalate episode, why you should care about oxalates. Super straightforward in that way. Go check it out. But if you are eating a high plant diet, you could be dumping oxalates, salicylates, and lectins into your body that your body cannot detox or digest, and this will make you feel worse, and many of the symptoms include uh, constipation. So those are four reasons, or those are different, four different kind of food recommendations that really can often make constipation, if not better, just plain old worse. <laughs> so... Before we move on to the, the four real remedies, which I know you guys are waiting for, I do also want to give a concession because you might be like, Allison's an idiot. <laughs> She's saying food doesn't help. 
food is powerful. And for some, diet totally improves their constipation. If you have a friend who that's their story, their story is real. But those people are not listening to this podcast. They're all off living their happy, constipation-free life because they figured out the foods they need that works for them. Another concession about food and its role in constipation before we move on to this is that I have found that individual food sensitivities, and when I say individual, I mean a, a person's unique food sensitivity mix does play a larger role in my experience in helping or hurting constipation than some type list of magical constipating or non-constipating foods. You want to get specific with what you specifically need or don't need. And I find that food sensitivities play a much bigger role than, again, just like kind of a generic list of, of foods. I'll throw this in here. I wasn't planning to, but I don't recommend Viome for food sensitivity testing. I do recommend something called a Zoomer kit. It's what we use in our Better Belly Blueprint program and my foundations program. Basically, if you're working with me in whatever capacity, I'm recommending doing a Zoomer test. Not all food sensitivities tests are the same. It's kind of like we have different parts of our government that protect us. We have the police for local protection, the FBI for, I don't know, secret types of protection. We have, we have the military for international protection. There's all different types and it's the same with your immune system. And so you want to make sure you're getting a food sensitivity that's really high, a food sensitivity test that's really high quality and looking for the right things. You also, caveat, want to make sure that you're not just testing for food sensitivities because of the four non-food solutions to constipation that I'm about to talk about. So again, why food is kind of the number one irritating myth that I have, even though it still is important. Diet also does play a role in overall gut health, which includes impacting bowel movement quality garbage in, garbage out does play a role, but I have, there are people out there who eat very low quality food and they poop because pooping is more than just the, the food you put into your body. And there are people like yourself, potentially listening to this, who maybe eat really high quality, super food, kind of you're following this generic recommendations for a diet and you're not pooping. So you can release, like, I want to give you permission, release this really like tight grip or high expectation or high pressure um, feeling you have that, that you need to go and find the right food. Please let me release you from that when we talk about these four non-food solutions to constipation. Um, just to generally say diet is not everything. This is a controversial opinion, but there is so much more to your body than the food you put in it. So let me persuade you. Four non-food causes and solutions to constipation. Number one, pathogens. If you're having problems with constipation, you always want to look into pathogens. If you're having problems with eating those fermented foods I was talking about and probiotics and fiber, high fiber foods, and you're feeling worse or your constipation's not getting better, this is a huge no-no because of pathogens. Candida and SIBO in particular love fermented foods and probiotics. They will just overgrow to no end if you if you have candida or SIBO, fermented foods and probiotics can make you feel much worse and definitely, and or just definitely not help you. If you want to learn more about this, check out, listen to episode 149, my four-step natural candida treatment, and episode 70 on SIBO, the two reasons why SIBO has a 50% recurrence rate and how to overcome SIBO and the low FODMAP diet. Um, I mentioned low FODMAP just now. The low FODMAP is helpful literally because it's reducing the amount of ferment 
fermentable foods in the gut. That's what the F in FODMAP stands for. It's low fermentable, and then it lists a bunch of, you know, fancy, sciencey sugar names. Fermentable, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. That's the odd map, but the F is fermentable. You're basically doing this kind of just ridiculous, very annoying, but it can also be just partly helpful diet of getting rid of foods like onion and garlic that can ferment, but those foods aren't inherently bad and they're, you're not inherently, it's not saying you have a sensitivity to them. It's saying that something in your gut is causing them to over ferment. And often there is a pathogen involved. Um, Pathogens can cause slower motility. That's going to cause gut irritation and inflammation, um, set you up for leaky gut. That slower motility can show up as constipation, set you up for even other pathogens taking hold, candida overgrowth, etc. Pathogens also steal nutrients. You can eat superfoods all day long and not get the nutrients you're going to need to have your 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 uh, muscles in your gut be able to contract so you can have motility. You need electrolytes, which we're going to get into, to be able to have good motility. And superfoods, if you have a, if you're not getting rid of the pathogens, are just not going to, to overcome what the pathogens are stealing in terms of nutrients. Number two, digestive enzymes. Digestive enzymes, or really lack of digestive enzymes, cause constipation way more than the actual food. We already dove into this a little bit in terms of talking about protein because protein you need and fat, you need to have stomach acid and bile and pancreatic enzymes to break down. So if you have low digestive enzymes in any one of those categories, maybe it's low stomach acid, low bile, low pancreatic enzymes, maybe two, maybe three of those, you're not going to digest food, especially if it's dense, right? So protein, is really hard to break down. Fiber is really hard to break down. Um, the solution, some people find that being on like a smoothie diet or a liquid diet helps because basically the blender is pre-digesting your difficult to digest food. Of course, it can't break things down as small as they need to be, but it's really doing a, a just a killer job at like chewing the heck out of food before you eat it, which at least is a benefit. I know I felt really good on a more liquid diet when I was super sick, but that was probably because I had low digestive enzymes. When I say probably, it was. It was a component of what I was dealing with. I had low stomach acid. Fun fact, low stomach acid is one of the top causes of acid reflux. So if you say, well, I have acid reflux or I'm on a PPI or medication to reduce my stomach acid, I can't possibly have low stomach acid, this is a lie. And actually being on the PPI exacerbates the problem. I will give you a podcast episode here to listen to. It is episode 131, four steps to end acid reflux and constipation at the same time. No joke. Go listen to that episode. But the number one cause of low stomach acid is H. pylori. H. pylori is a pathogen. 35% of the American population has it. 85% of developing, in, in developing countries, it's higher at 85%. So if you've traveled to a developing country, that's Mexico, Thailand, um, my brain's suddenly blinking, like lots of things. They're not, thir it's third and second world countries. It's higher rates. Um, you can get it from there. You can get it from kissing someone who's been there uh, because it's saliva based. So listen to that podcast. I do talk a lot more about H. pylori, but H. pylori also just takes you back to that number one pathogen. So you want to find the pathogens. And then of course, it's going to lower your stomach acid. Number two, you want to address the digestive enzymes. There's also ways that you um, whenever you do protocols, and I find lots of people who've worked with natural practitioners or been on the internet long enough end up buying at one point a digestive enzyme supplement 
they digestive enzyme supplements are only like a fraction of what you need in terms of digestion power in your gut. So ideally, you actually want to be doing protocols that help you to create these enzymes again. If you have a bile problem, you're not producing enough bile, you want to be thinking about do you have, how good is your liver health? Is your liver overburdened and over toxic? Is your bile thickening and slowing down? You're going to get symptoms related to low bile production, which is, you know, an aversion to fat. Maybe you've had your gallbladder removed. That's a sign that your liver needs love, that you've already been having a bile problem for a while. Um, if you've been on birth control, you can have a bile problem. Uh, if you, because birth control thickens bile and again, can kind of create a sludge. Even if you still have a gallbladder, it can be not producing and excreting as much bile as you want when you eat food to break down your food. If you have any liver symptoms, symptoms of needing your liver helped with, which we're actually going to get to in a second, um, on its on its own right, the liver is so important when it comes to um, pooping. But if you have any of those problems, then you are going to have problems with producing bile. So um, pancreatic enzymes, similarly, I see a lot of people have problems with pancreatic enzymes when they have visceral restrictions. If you are new to this podcast, you're like, visceral, what? It is literally fascia around your organs getting tight and restricted, and it disallows organs from moving, and tubes that like fluids are flowing through, like your pancreatic enzymes flow through the common bile duct. If that thing's tight or spasmed, it can't flow as well, and you will get reduced pancreatic enzymes released when you try to eat food. You can also get a backflow of that stuff, and that also won't feel good. It can cause abdominal pain. It can cause nausea. It can cause um, all sorts of stuff. So get visceral manip manipulation, which is really a whole other podcast episode. I will, But if you uh, don't want to listen to the podcast episode, just want to find someone, just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash find, and I have a way for you to find somebody to do visceral manipulation on you, body work that is going to release those restrictions that you might have. Um, Number three, a third non-food cause to constipation is mineral depletion and heavy metals. When you are sick with pathogens and heavy metals, which we're about to get to, and stress, you lose sodium, magnesium, and potassium, which you actually need to poop. You need sodium, magnesium, potassium for your smooth muscles of your gut to contract and relax. If you don't have those things, then the, your muscles get weak. And that's everywhere in your body, like your skeletal muscles that moves your arms and your legs. You are more prone to getting fatigue when you are working out before you feel like you're ready to be done working out. You don't sweat as easily. You get more tired. There's adrenal fatigue involved in this. There's also like muscle cramping um, and just general, like your muscles um, spasming for no reason. Those are all related to low electrolyte levels. Needing to urinate a lot at night, also really related to low electrolyte levels. And so you need magnesium and sodium and potassium. And a lot of times when you are, when you have pathogens, those pathogens are absorbing those things. So even if you take electrolytes, then they're absorbing things. If you don't take electrolytes, but you drink lots of water, um, you, you, you need very high, high, high levels of sodium, magnesium, potassium, way higher than your general electrolyte mix is giving you. And so also low salt diets are hurting people. There's so much going on. But the main thing is, is that people are not getting enough of these minerals 
and you need a very therapeutic dose, which I talk about in my protocols on mineral balance. And I even give you a really simple test that you can do using a hair sample where you can see what your mineral levels are like in your body. And if you have heavy metals, it's, it's extra no-nos because, and, and let me tell you, Many of my clients, about 50%, um, have a significant level of heavy metals in their bodies that is adding to the toxic load. Heavy metals, the body is actually incentivized to keep pathogens around so that the pathogens absorb the heavy metals and you don't, but then, of course, you still have the pathogen. <laughs> and then also with heavy metals, they are like opposites attract or not opposites attract. They, uh, they, ha they have the same, um, they push out healthy minerals. I'm not thinking of the good right terminology, but they they it's like when you have two magnets that have the same poles together and then they push each other away. That's what heavy metals are like. They literally take the place of the of the good minerals and they say, "Don't, I want this spot." And they win because they're heavy metals. Lastly, liver, and it does get its own spot because it's not just a bile producer, it's a huge detoxifier organ in the body. So if your body is completely congested with toxins from pathogens and birth control and gallbladder removal and, 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 and tap water that has minerals and heavy metals and copper in it and just all these things that we don't think about, which is what people are coming into my office and we're seeing, hey, this has been an exposure you've had since your childhood or when you got, you know, mercury implants in your teeth. It's it's different for every person, but there is a general similar stories of what's going on um, for people that's causing toxicity, then the liver gets burdened. If you want to learn a lot more about the liver, go check out episode 118 on the liver. It's, it's literally called liver, the number one thing you can do to ease bloating and PMS. And and so check that out. You can also get my free liver detox protocol. I literally want to share it with you for free because if this is all you need to get your body back on track, be blessed. Go and do it. Um, just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash liver and you can get that free protocol there or you can click the link in the show notes. But the way that you deal with these four things, let me, let me just say them again, right? So we have pathogens, low digestive enzymes, uh, mineral imbalance and heavy metals and just liver liver congestion. The way you deal with these four things is number one, you test. And number two, you, you get protocols that are specific to you and what your test showed. You're not doing, um, you know, taking supplements or doing strategies that are related to somebody else's problem, your specific problem. These are all things that I share with you how to do in my course, online course, The Better Belly Blueprint. The Better Belly Blueprint is my online course and group coaching program where I teach you how to end bloating and constipation for good through functional lab testing, a customized health plan, and rad science that I teach you how to do yourself. If you are listening to this podcast wanting to find the secret to ending your bloating and constipation, if you want to stop wasting money on constipation remedies that don't work, then go to betterbellytherapies.com slash blueprint and you can join my wait list for the blueprint, which is reopening August 31st. And if you missed it from the beginning of the episode, when I was talking about our free giveaway, I am offering a full scholarship to one lucky person who leaves a rating and review for this podcast. Once you leave that rating and review, just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash giveaway, submit a screenshot of that rating and review, and you will be entered into that pod, into our giveaway. I'll be announcing the winner August 31st. So you want to do all of this by August 24th. If any of that you need in a written form, go ahead and check out our show notes. We have links in all the directions in a one, two, three, easy format. 
I hope otherwise that this podcast episode helped to clarify some things for you and helped started start to free you from the food restriction craziness that is trying to find a constipation-free life. You can be constipation-free. You can end your bloating and constipation, and it doesn't have to be through food. And if you are wanting to learn more about all the things I mentioned on this podcast episode, just go ahead, go to the show notes, click find more episodes and subscribe because I'm always having more podcast episodes and con and information that we are constantly putting out on everything from salt to salicylates to lectins to mold. It is all coming up. So be sure to not miss a single episode. Catch you guys next week. Hey friend, I hope you loved this episode. If you've been a fan for a while or newly loving this podcast, can you do me a favor? Drop into Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. When you leave a review, you do so much. You help me know you're listening. You can tell me what you're loving so I know what to make more of. And you help others by boosting this podcast so other people like you can find the podcast too. I mean, it's a win, 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 right? So if you want a way to pay it forward, just go to Apple Podcasts or click the link in my show notes and leave a rating and review. And if you want some more free stuff, just head over to my free Facebook group, betterbellytherapies.com slash Facebook, and you can get access to all of my free support for you, including some Facebook group exclusive stuff like my podcast episode vault, where you can search the Better Belly podcast by topic and find exactly what you need to expedite your healing. I cannot wait to see you in there. Catch you guys next week.